this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, we are starting a brand new sermon series today, one that I've actually been really excited about for a while. But first, there is a certain saying that in my studies I came across this week. Now, it's not a very American saying, so I doubt many of you have heard it, but apparently it's very popular throughout the world. I first read it in a Sicilian context, but I think it's it's big in Europe, Africa, maybe, and some other places around the world. And it goes something like this. Now, some cultures say where Jesus lost his sandals, and some cultures say where God lost his shoes. Now, do you remember a story in the Bible where God lost his shoes? Because I don't. So I was like, what is what what does that even mean? And here's the context that they use it in, right? They're describing a place way out, as we would say, in the boondocks or way out in the middle of nowhere, right? Those are our sayings. They would say, way out where God lost his shoes. And so I had to sit there and think, like, am I missing a piece of the Bible? Like, I don't remember this story. Where did God lose his shoes? Where did Jesus lose his sandals? And I just researched it a little bit. God didn't lose his shoes, right? (laughs) Jesus didn't lose his sandals, but it's a saying meant to be a little bit funny, saying that a place is so far out there, so far removed from from society, so far lost that even God loses things in this place, right? It's so far out there, God doesn't even remember where it is. And so it's sort of a, a funny little saying. It means out in the middle of nowhere. Now, if that doesn't describe the year 2020, <laughs> I don't know what does. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm out in the middle of nowhere sometimes. Like, we left normal society and normalcy a long time ago. We left it on December 31st, 2019. Like, I, I have a hard time sometimes getting my bearings and, and feeling like I'm oriented in the world. I think a lot of us are feeling that way, right? We, we feel a little disoriented. We feel alone and isolated. Things are so different. Things are, are, are upside down and all over the place. And we, we have all these competing voices, right? Uh, uh, voices coming at us from everywhere, especially if, if you live a lot on social media or, you know, you're still sitting at home every day on social media. And I'll admit, you know, I struggle with it too. I feel like like I'm in, in the middle of nowhere or I'm in the middle of all of these voices far out past where God lost his shoes. No man's land. But here's the thing. There was once a man named Moses who also found himself out in the middle of nowhere, metaphorically speaking and literally speaking. And and Moses, just to go back a little bit, we got some of this detail for those of you who played Bible trivia with us before we started today. Uh, But just to give you a little background, Moses was born an Israelite, a slave in Egypt, but he was adopted into the king's family, right? And maybe you remember some of this story. He was raised as a prince of Egypt. He lived the first 40 years. Many scholars think it was 40 years of his life in Egypt, as a prince, trapped between two cultures. He was an Israelite by birth, but he was adopted into the king's family. So he had to see his people being enslaved every day, but also be sort of separate from it. 
And I believe the tension of all of that. We all feel that tension even today, right? The, the divide between people. I, I believe Moses felt that tension too. And it rose and rose in his life until one day he saw an Israelite, his own people, being mistreated by some Egyptians. And he ended up killing a guy. I mean, he's a murderer. It wasn't, a, it wasn't even, a, the Bible makes it sound a little premeditated too. This wasn't just an accident. He killed a guy. He knew that would not go over well in the king's household. You know, he, he was probably sort of made fun of his entire life. He, he lived around royalty, around Egyptian royalty, but he wasn't that. And so he was probably talked down to, shushed, you know, made to feel unworthy to exist his whole life. And so he ran. He left his home. He left Egypt far behind, and he found a new home out in the wilderness, way out past where God lost his shoes. He, he settled down, and he married, and he tended sheep, and scholars think this was another 40 years. 40 years of sheep. 40 years of hiding. 40 years of isolation. And we all just experienced what, 13 weeks of it? <laughs> Imagine 40 years of it. And he lived in that guilt and shame and fear for 40 years. And that's actually where we're picking up the story of Moses. It's really, really important to understand the context that God spoke to Moses out of that bush. This is the reality that he was living in. Exodus 3 Verse 1 is what we're going to read today. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Can you imagine saying that to a bush? Like, um, I'm here. <laughs> Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. There's a couple of ingredients to this encounter that I want us to notice. I think we're going to spend the majority of this series in the story of Moses. But there's a couple of ingredients before we even really dig in to this calling from God for Moses. I want us to encounter, to experience with him this encounter a little bit. Because here we are, right, biding our time two weeks until we can be back together as a church. But I, I really, I don't want us to rush the lessons that we can learn from this season. Oh, we're all rushing to get back to normal. We, we want to leave quarantine far, far behind forever, right? But I don't want us to rush and to miss what God has for us here. I think I do this too often. I tend to skip ahead to the next thing. I'm one of those people that likes to work ahead, right? To always be prepared far in advance for what is coming. And I feel very out of place and uneasy when I can't plan ahead. 
but God has something for me to learn in this season or I wouldn't be in it. And I don't want to rush what God has for us. And so, you know, this week I felt like I sort of fell into a hole. I don't know how many of you have been there too. Not literally a hole, but a mental hole. I felt like I fell into a deep depression almost. Like I was, I was warring within my spirit against something. I kept calling it the cloud. I felt like there was a cloud following me around. And although everything is great, I have nothing to complain about. I have this cloud following me around. But at some point I had to decide, look, external circumstances cannot be allowed to be my savior. I already have one of those, right? We, we tend to think that just getting out of the house is, is going to fix everything, that getting back around people, that getting into the building of the church, these things are what is going to fix what's going on in here. External circumstances cannot be allowed to be my savior because I already have one of those. And he brings the holy ground with him, right? Moses didn't have to go to Jerusalem and get inside the temple, right? He didn't even have one of those yet. He didn't have to go to any specific place. God brought the holy ground with him, and he met him even in the wilderness. Like, I have to instruct my heart. That's part of the, the brand new Bible plan that we're reading right now together. It's, it starts today, so if you're behind on the other plans. Don't worry. You can start fresh today. It's in your sermon notes, fe.church slash sermon notes, if you want to find it. But I am in charge of my own spirit. It's my spirit. My responsibility is the planning. I have to instruct my heart. Our emotions can have a seat on the bus, just not the driver's seat. Right? We have to instruct our heart. We have to continually point our heart in the right direction, no matter what's going on around me. That is the test of this life. That is faith. I heard Stephen Furtick say this week that patience is the proof of faith, right? That that God doesn't always have to do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. He rarely does that actually, right? Moses went 80 years throughout his life, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness without knowing what his true purpose was from God. He had to go 80 years seeing his people enslaved, not having a plan to fix it, probably with a deep burden on his heart to fix it, to do something about it, or he wouldn't have killed that Egyptian, right? He had that burden. He didn't do the right thing with it, but he had it. He had no plan to fix it. In fact, he felt like he messed it all up. 80 years with his heart hurting for his people. 80 years without a plan to set them free. Not really knowing why he was spared when so many of his peers were killed before they even got to grow up. So many of his people enslaved. He was in the wilderness literally but probably metaphorically too, is lost. So many of us are feeling that right now. So many of us are feeling, and and I share my experience this week with you because we've always valued authenticity here at Freedom Valley because if I am real with you, maybe you can be real too, right? 
Maybe you can admit that you've been struggling as well. We are way out there past where God lost his shoes. So there's a few ingredients to this encounter that I want to just uncover and figure out to, together today. And number one is, is Moses was alone. He was alone. God spoke to him when he was alone. It is seriously surprising how many times throughout the word that God seems to isolate us before he calls and releases us. He isolates us. And I know we all hate that word right now. <laughs> We've all seen too much isolation lately. We're not a fan. But maybe God's been trying to use this time to speak to all of us, to, to get rid of all the external voices, the busyness that American culture loves so much. He stripped it all away. He allowed us to go through a season of isolation. And maybe some of us haven't used that isolation well, right? We've all probably gained a few pounds over this. We're, we're all dealing with the same things. We've been not doing what we should be doing in this time, myself included, right? But we have two more weeks until we get back together as a church. And like I said, I don't want to rush this season. We still have time to learn some things from God, to learn some things from this season. And God seems to isolate us before he calls us and releases us. Maybe he's trying to say something to you in this season as well. Now, if you haven't gained a new appreciation for people and for this church during this season, maybe you haven't been in your Bible enough. I don't know about you, but when, every time I go into the Word, I come out of it with purpose, with revelation from God, with a new understanding of what I am to do for His church, serving His church, and also out in the community. Right? We can use this time of isolation as an investment into the future when we can get back together. You know, I, I see so many people throughout the Word going through those seasons. Jesus. 40 days out in the wilderness, all by himself, fasting and praying before going into ministry, right? Elisha was called up the mountain to pray and seek God before he had to go back to it. We are called to seasons of isolation sometimes. It's not a punishment from God. Maybe he's just trying to speak to you. What is God calling you to do when we come back together? Let's use these next two weeks strategically in our own lives to seek God about that. We have a gift here. Let's not look at it as just another two weeks of punishment, but as a gift to really come out of this with some lessons from God in this season. When you look back on this season in 2020, what can you say that God taught you? Moses was alone for his big encounter with God. Secondly, he was amazed. He was amazed. Now, not all of the Bible translations use that specific word. Amazed has a very nice connotation to it. <laughs> There's no fear in amazed, necessarily. In fact, in Moses's culture and his context out in the wilderness like that, on the desert, it was very, very hot. And it wasn't uncommon for a bush to just go up in flames quickly in the middle of the day for no, I mean, not no reason, but for heat reasons, right? 
But this one didn't go away. It wasn't just a flash of fire and it was gone. It intrigued him enough that he had to walk over to it. So that amazed thing doesn't always mean good. When we're applying this to our lives, it doesn't always mean a good thing. But Moses was bought, brought to a point of questioning. He was amazed enough that he went over to it to investigate more. And I mean, I don't know if you've been listening to me specifically for long enough, my preaching and my ministry, so much of it tends to center around asking God questions, right? Having an honest conversation with God, because I've seen it happen so much in my life, in my own personal walk with God. I ask so many questions of him. I have questions upon questions. Those questions lead to more questions. I want to know things, God. Why are you the way that you are? Or why did you make me the way that I am? I have so many questions, and I think they're so important. They're almost more important than the answers, right? We, we had a, a series that really kicked all of this off for me last December called Wonder. I started to pick up on all of the, the times throughout the Bible when God talks about wonder. Jesus did all of these miracles to create wonder in his context. He wanted people to begin asking questions. We need that amazement. We need that wonder. We need to be asking questions because God often has to open our minds with something amazing or impossible because we stopped asking questions a long time ago. When we stop becoming, when we stop being teachable, when we stop asking questions, our hearts and our minds get hardened, right? We're not pliable anymore. We become rigid and set in our ways and stubborn and arrogant, honestly. We think we know everything, and we stop asking God questions. God needs us to open up our minds to see what what he's actually capable of and what we're capable of through him. We have to be able to see how big and amazing he is. That's why I love that song we sang today, So Will I. Right? It opens up our context, our, our mindset into the thinking that God is the God of creation. He created the world. Of course he can do what he wants with it. Right? And, and if he created the, the trees and the weather and the nature to worship him, of course I will too. So will I. He needs us sometimes to be alone to speak to us, but he needs us to be amazed. He needs us questioning. And I think this is why God allows us to wander into struggles sometimes. He allows us to go through things that are difficult to open up our minds again, to get us questioning again. He has to soften our hearts before he can speak to us. If he spoke to us when our hearts were still arrogant, would we even hear it? He needs us alone sometimes to speak to us, to drown out the voices, the, the other people's minds and filters that you would see things through. And he needs us amazed asking questions. Thirdly, the third ingredient to this encounter is that Moses was drawn in. He was drawn in. I wondered for a while why God would immediately tell Moses to take off his sandals, right? Why on holy ground must we not be wearing shoes that just seems so 
sort of practical. And I do love God for that. He, he pairs the amazing and the powerful and the big and the supernatural with very practical <laughs> instructions. I love God. Jesus does that all throughout his ministry as well. But I did a little research. Why would God ask Moses to take off his sandals? Now, taking off your sandals in that context and culture was a sign of respect. You know, you're not tracking dirt and dust in a very uh, arid climate and also animal feces and stuff from, from the roads and the towns. You're not tracking all of that into a home with you. But it was also a sign of closeness in Moses' culture. Intimacy almost. You know, they didn't have houses that were huge entertainment centers like we do today. Most of their homes were one room, bedroom, kitchen sort of combos where everybody slept on the floor around the fire and not just, you didn't just invite people in, right? You had all of your social encounters out in the streets, at the city gates, in the fields. It wasn't in your home. They weren't used quite the same as they are today. People didn't gather in homes. They gathered out in the streets. And so when you took off your sandals to come into a home, it was a sign of respect. And if you were there, it was a sign of being closer than just the average friend that you see on the street. God told Moses to take off his sandals. Now, first he did tell him, don't come any closer, right? And that was for Moses' protection, God is so holy, so good that we cannot enter into his presence without being holy and good, truly good ourselves. And Jesus said, not one is truly good. That's why we need his sacrifice to wash away the sin, the selfishness in our life and come before God holy. Jesus opened that up for us. Moses wasn't there yet. He didn't have the name of Jesus to call upon yet. So God said, don't come any closer for his protection. But then he said, take off your sandals. For you are standing on holy ground. When Moses entered into God's presence, God said, remove the things that come between you and I. He said, I want you close. He didn't have him put more layers on to be in his presence. He had him take them off. He he didn't have him jump through hoops and do this and that to be worthy. He asked him to remove barriers between Moses and him. He drew him in. He asked him to come closer. He loved Moses right where he was out in that wilderness, right? Because God doesn't actually lose things. It's a funny saying to say where God lost his shoes, but he doesn't actually lose things, does he? Especially not people. He knew exactly where Moses was in that 40-year wilderness season. And he met him there. He called him in. He asked them to come closer. But he also didn't leave him there. God loved Moses right where he was, but he did not leave him there. The wilderness is okay for a little while. It teaches us something when we're alone with God, when we have hearts open to hear it, when we allow ourselves to be amazed by who he is. He can teach us in that place, but he does not leave us there. God is always going to call you back, and he's always going to call you further. He's going to challenge you out of 
whatever selfishness you're continuing to live in, whatever guilt and pain and shame you're continuing to live in, he's going to challenge you and he's going to push you further. Those holy ground moments throughout the word at their core are about purpose. They're about calling us back into the purposes that God has for us. And that purpose always involves other people. God may pull you away from others for a time. He will cause you to begin to ask questions. He will use that time to soften your heart. And then he will call you to go back with a purpose. What if that's what God has been doing with his church during this season? Not saying that God, you know, put the virus onto us. But we find ourselves in this season and God always brings good out of evil. He always brings good out of pain. What if that's what he's been calling out of us in this season? If we've been called to something bigger, because the end is coming. Because Jesus is going to come back. You know, I've read the end of my Bible, right? It's going to get worse before it gets better. There's no surprise there. But we win in the end. Jesus wins in the end. He's going to come back and he's going to make it right. What if he's preparing his church for that? What if he's calling out the fact that we, we say we have passion, but every week we show up, we come to church, and then we leave church and do nothing with that passion? What if he's calling us out? saying that we, we say we're selfless. We like to brag the, the vibrant, vibrant, passionate, selfless thing. We like to wear it on our t-shirts, but really, we're honest. Our self is about the only thing we think about throughout the week. We don't do anything with the love, the hope that Jesus gave us. The last thing I want to do out of this season is go back to exactly the way things were. And I'm not talking about the new normal that the state keeps talking about, social distancing and masks and all of those things. I'm talking about let's not go back to normal as our colorless, dispassionate, selfish selves. All right? Let's not allow ourselves to go back into that normal. Let's come out of this in a new normal, a new vibrancy a new passion, a new selflessness like never before. Let's use these next two weeks to dig in, to find out what God is asking of us as we come back together and ask him how we can serve each other better. New normal. A better normal. These wilderness seasons... Seasons where we're struggling, we can't find our bearings, we feel like we're far out past where God lost his shoes. They can be so useful in the hands of God. If we're asking the right questions, if we're drowning out the other voices can so easily come against us. And we allow ourselves to be drawn into his presence. Because although it's a funny saying, God doesn't lose things. He especially does not lose people. Moses, have may, Moses may have felt lost for 80 years, but God doesn't lose people. 
We have to start asking the right questions. Not, God, why aren't you fixing this? God, why are you doing this to me? God, am I just being punished? Instead, start asking God, what can I be learning from this season? What do I need to come out of this with? What are you preparing me for in this season? So I can follow you passionately into the next. We need more holy ground moments. More encounters with the creator of heaven and earth. Where God can call us out of wherever we've been hiding. And where he can address our fears and our failures. Where he can call us to something higher. Let's not come back together the same. Let's prepare our hearts now. Not taking for granted the the tools and the people that God has put around us. Let's come back together better, passionate, vibrant, selfless. Let's leave those fears and failures in quarantine. (laughs) I leave them there. We don't need them in the new normal. Leave them there. Let's come back together purposeful, ready for the new purpose that God has for us. Things change on holy ground. And that kind of change is never a bad thing. I don't know where you're at today in this. Some of you watching today may just feel like you've been lost for a long time. Those fears, those failures, they seem so real, so fresh. Still dealing with the shame and the guilt and the pain that your past has been causing you even today. You have no idea how to get out of that wilderness season. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus died on that cross so that you don't have to experience it. This coming Wednesday night, for one of our final Wednesday night lives, we're going to hear from Johannes Amritzer, an evangelist with a organization called Mission SOS that we've had a, a long-standing friendship with at FV Church. He's going to speak into our lives, and he's, he's planning to tell us about elephant faith. It was such a good reminder for me as I was preparing this for you all. He said something that just made me remember all over again how free I actually am, how free Jesus has made us. He said we're all elephants with Jesus. We have this elephant faith. We're huge, powerful with Jesus. And yet sometimes when when trainers are training elephants, they have a chain around them, a chain that they can't break as babies. And as they grow older, they're trained that this thing around their ankle, they can't move, right? And Johannes talks that he's going to talk to us Wednesday about how there's just a thread around an elephant. Just that thread that he could so easily break. The thread holds him back because he's still trapped in a mindset of bondage. We don't have to live there. It's just a thread. Jesus already did the hard work for us. All we have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And we're saved. We're free. We're so much freer than we think we are. So much more powerful with Jesus than we think we are. You are free today, believer. 
And for those of you who are still lost in the wilderness, you don't have to be. Call on the name of Jesus. Ask him into your life. Ask him to forgive your sins. He says yes every time. Ask him. Have an honest conversation with him. Ask him questions. He wants to have that conversation with you. Father, I pray for every single person wrestling with that decision today. I pray that we would come back together free, passionate, hopeful for the future. That we wouldn't come back together arguing with each other and and causing disruption and more pain. But we would just speak hope. It would be love for the people around us. And we would understand how free and how powerful we are in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for those that are still feeling lost today, that you would just surround them with your presence, that you would send them a burning bush, holy ground moment, where they could encounter your presence, where they can be whole again, where you can address their fears from the past and their failures like you did with Moses. Draw them in. Call them closer. Let them know they can be free today. We thank you and we praise you. God of heaven and earth, help us always remember how powerful and big you are and that you've asked us to be your friend. You've asked us to come into the throne room of grace and share our fears and our failures with you. Thank you for knowing who we are, for speaking to us right where we are, and for calling us further. Thank you for things changing on holy ground. Let us not waste this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.